Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we're going to be talking about leverage and the leverage system. Well, understanding leverage for for sport, whether you're on the field, you'll be a much better athlete, uh, whether it's wrestling or football or you know MMA. Um, climbing, gymnastics, um, or in life, just picking things up and understanding how to position your body in the best way, most efficient way to be able to handle more load. Yeah, it's anything that gives you a mechanical advantage to overcome your body's resistance to move in a certain direction or get into a certain position, right? So that's leverage in and of itself. Uh, I mean, with us, we use the stick to access better leverage, right? And when we access better leverage, then we can increase our range of motion. Uh, And and with us, with using, when we're creating leverage, we're we're usually doing that because we're pushing or pulling into the stick, which creates a really active, strong range of motion versus a passive range of motion, right? Yep. So that's a huge benefit for us when we're using the stick. And that's what, uh, when we teach people, that's one of the biggest things that we're showing them, what the mechanical advantage of the stick is. I mean, after all, a stick was one of the very first tools that a human understood how to use, right? Yeah, I mean, just moving a rock. Moving a rock, right? right? I mean, by itself, you know, that's not something that you could have just picked up and carried. If somebody needed to move a rock but physically didn't have the strength or enough people around them to be able to lift it as a group, then you had to find a mechanical way to move that object. And so somebody or somebody grabbed a stick and figured out a way to anchor it, create leverage underneath, put effort on the one end of the stick and was able to create a lever to move that rock. Or thinking about carrying a lot of load. Like let's just say you had to carry three bags, right? You know, you put a stick through the three bags and hold it over your shoulder. Right. Uh, The other thing that we want to look at too is, what the lever length increasing and decreasing can do for you as uh, in regards to strength training. Lever increasing and decreasing the length of your levers is one of the easiest ways to regress or progress any type of movements. Especially if you have minimal equipment, let's say it's a stick or your own body weight, just by understanding how to really change the leverage there. Right. Uh, we can we can make things really easy, or we can progress things hard. I mean, think about gymnastics. That's all they're doing. And with body weight training, you're basically trying to master the leverage of your own body. Weight. Right. Figure out. So I mean, for if people don't want a more uh, better understanding of, of of that, place your hands on the kitchen counter, come up onto your toes, and then slowly walk your feet back away from the counter. You're extending the length of your body. You're increasing the length of the lever. And as you do that, feel the stress, the added stress on the midsection. From the, actually, from the hands all the way through the entire body to the feet. But you can feel the increased tensional demand and the strength needed as you lengthen the lever of your body, right? So uh, as a coach, uh, a lot of coaches, I mean, and when I got into the, this industry, I didn't think of physics, I mean, we don't teach that. We don't, as an industry, we don't teach the importance of understanding physics. Do you think we do? I think there's there's a few um, courses out there that do, 
but I don't think it's taught across the board. Yeah, from a mainstream standpoint, like what most people can get certified as a personal trainer, like when you look at their manuals, they don't have sections on, you know, this is physics and this is how it affects the human body, vertically and horizontally, right? Uh, so, we, you know, increasing and decreasing angles and lengths of levers is is really just a really great way if someone's having being challenged and they're getting too much stimulus decrease an angle or decrease the length of the lever and see what happens if someone's not being challenged enough increase an angle especially the working angle or increase the length of the working lever and then see what happens and if you understand this concept it really doesn't matter what tool you use you use a kettlebell barbell a stick Medicine ball. It's it's the old adage of if you hold a five-pound weight next to your chest, it's five pounds. Now extend that five-pound weight away from your body with one hand, hold it there, and I'll come back and see you in five minutes. You know, a lot of people think, well, okay, what's that going to do? In five minutes, you're not, your arm is not going to be out there. Yeah, At least It's still five pounds, but not five pounds on the shoulder. Exactly, right? You've increased the lever, so you've increased the demand at that at the shoulder joint in that case. So when we're looking at different types of levers, we, we have three different types of levers. We have a first-class lever, which essentially would be like be doing a bicep curl, right? So you have the weight in your arm. You're using your bicep to pull the weight up towards your chest or your shoulder, and then you're, you have your fulcrum at the elbow, right? And then you have your second class lever, which is for uh, a landmine press. Say you're in a half kneeling position or a standing, whichever, right? You have your effort at one end, your fulcrum is in the landmine, and then your plates are in the middle. So that's your uh, second class lever. And then your third class lever would be anything that's essentially offset loaded. Yeah, so maybe you pick up a barbell. If you look at the on Instagram, there's been this big Thor challenge. Thor challenge. Where you try right? to pick up a barbell... You know, on one side, and you try to lift it off the ground and then lift it up overhead. Right. And so that's a third class lever. It's offset. Uh, And so when we wanted, well, I think what's interesting is we've had, I've had coaches for a long time ask me, you know, how much offset training do you do? And I'm like, well, I do an extensive amount because think about the gym is the only place that people go to lift balanced objects. Right. And it just when we step out the doors of a gym, uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, we lift things in offset loads. Our levers, lever demand is, is vastly different when it comes to real life as opposed to what's in a gym. So for us, we you should in our minds, you should train that way. So that way you make your clients and yourself as resilient as you can be and as prepared as you can be for the demands that life is going to put upon you. Right. Yeah, because when you're picking up a box or you're picking up a, you know, you're moving a couch or something, a mattress upstairs, I mean, you've got to be able to position your body in the right way so that you can handle all that stress. Exactly. Here's a perfect example. It's like you take a plyo box, right? Uh, the, the heavier foam padded plyo boxes, they're typically, what, about 25 pounds or so? Uh, they're usually pretty yeah, hefty, they're pretty right? Yeah, they're so any of us, the vast majority of us can take 25, a 25 pound plate or a dumbbell and hold it in front of us and, and 
work that relatively easy through squats or presses or ranges of motion. Now, take that same 25 pounds, now you have it in a plyo box, and now try picking that up and moving that around. That's awkward. It's awkward. And now, because your arms are extended, the object has different lengths of the uh, different dimensions, right? So that puts way more demand through all your slings and through the entire body as a whole system and having to deal with the awkwardness and the different lengths of the levers as you're moving, trying to move this box. So it's not always about the weight. And so I think is we want to try to get people to start to think differently in that regards, right? Everybody's always obsessed about the load, right? And so think less about the load and think more about how can I take something because you don't always have the ability to have all this equipment at your disposal, right? And I think TRX is one of those things that's come around suspension training that's been able to really indirectly get people to kind of understand what what uh, levers are. Yeah, TRX or I mean, you know, gym gymnastics has been around forever, right. so the rings, the rings, or just all even the stuff they do on the floor, right? Yeah. Those. Plunge push-ups. Plunge, yeah. Which a lot of people don't do. No, I mean, those are pretty, I mean, those are really hard. Those are really hard. Most people are never going to be able to do that. Yeah, and and we've seen the popular popularity of rings coming around. CrossFit's brought the back the popularity of rings, so that's been good to see. Uh, so that's been nice. Um, but I think even when people are using kettlebells, they don't really think about the amount of the effect of that kettlebell swinging away from their midline especially when it's out parallel to the floor, right? When that, folks, when you're swinging that kettlebell and that kettlebell gets to the point where it's parallel to the floor, that's what's requiring the most neural demand through your midsection, through your vertical core structure, right? So if you're having, and we talk and people go, well, if you, oh, it hurts my back, I'm having issues here and there. And then people go, well, this tissue's not activated, this tissue's not doing that. Maybe it's the fact that you're just not understanding. You don't have that neuromuscular control and motor control with that fully extended lever. So maybe isometrically you need to work that extended position, get stronger there without all that dynamic movement, right? I mean, in our thought process. Yeah, I mean, that's the safest way to do it for sure. Right? It's, It's a controlled position. You can recruit the tissue fibers that you need. And you can really start to teach the, the brain what it needs to feel and how to control that movement at that position without all that dynamic explosive movement, which obviously the body's telling you, I can't, I can't handle this. Yeah. Like, I'm not good with this, right? So those are one of the things that we want to start to get people to kind of start to think about, okay, how do I really change the, my thought process on this? Uh, another thing, too, is, is understanding vertical core structure. Right. I mean, most people, when they do, quote unquote, core work, usually are ground based. Yeah, on the ground or maybe in a plank position. Plank position. Right. But you got to think about, I mean, a heavy deadlift is that's a ton of core strength. Ton of core strength. Right. But it's vertical core strength. It's yeah. Vertical core demand. And you talked about you just mentioned a, a plank horizontal parallel to the floor. Right. So you have your your horizontal core core structure. But if you're not good vertically, then how can you expect to be really good horizontally? Folks, gravity has way more surface area to play with 
when you're horizontal versus vertical. And so with us, when we're with the sticks, we teach that standing plank variation, right? Yeah. And it really teaches people what they should be feeling, that instant feedback to really access the whole entire deep front line, right? So they got everything working as the whole abdominal cylinder is fully engaged, right? So we, we teach them where how to keep the hips connected to the ribs, what that core tissue is really engaged for, what its, what its purpose is. And I, I think we've been pretty surprised at how effective it is, especially for people that actually work in the industry, not just, not just the end user. Yeah. Right. Uh, we see people get lit up. I mean, they're, the feedback is there, the visual shaking. Oh, yeah. You firing. see the shaking because they're not, they're not used to that. Right. And so then these same people that we, without that, when we actually look at their horizontal core structure, especially in a plank, we see a lot of disengagement. Right. So we see that they don't understand how to keep the hips and ribs connected. Uh, and with gravity having more surface area to pull on, they, that thought process, it just isn't there for them. So if we can teach them how to be stronger vertically, then when they go, it'll prepare them better when they go horizontal because then we can gradually take that angle and change it so that they can gradually become parallel, uh, horizontal to the floor. It'll be much safer. And you think about this vertical core strength, it's going to translate more to activities you do in your you know everyday life. Right, yeah. Uh, I th- well, because a lot of now we have a lot of people with anterior pelvic tilt, right? So that base of the hips, which if you think from a structural standpoint, you want your you want the hips underneath you to support the spine, but if you're anteriorly tilted and then all of a sudden you're putting load on, you can't, you don't even know where that hip is supposed to be underneath you. You don't feel it. All of a sudden you you add load to that. Now you got a whole hot mess when it comes to actually watching people uh, either do lunges or squats or deadlifts, right? So because then they start to come up into that vertical core structure and they don't know where to put their hips or they don't know where the hips should be underneath them to help support the spine. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about anterior tilt, you're looking at the, the relationship between your hips and your rib cage. So, you know, as you go through a squatting motion, obviously everything's going to be leaning forward more. But we're looking at if your rib cage... You know, let's just say your rib cage is one cylinder and then your hips is your hips are one cylinder. If your hips are tilted against that tilted, yeah, forward and your your rib cage is vertical, now you have a little extra stress on that lumbar spine. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to you know, not get rid of it, but when we're when we're handling a lot of load, we want we don't want that there. Yeah. So because after all, remember, what we want to do is teach movements, whether loaded or unloaded, in regards to where can you, where are you going to be safest, right? The whole mantra is do no harm, right? Or and from a business standpoint, if you're doing things and your clients keep getting hurt, then something has to click in your mind and say, as far as thought process of maybe I need to revisit how I train or what my training protocols are and start to adjust something because if you don't then you're going to get that reputation as a trainer or a coach who keeps injuring their clients so physics plays a huge role so don't discredit how we have to deal with gravity the gravity is always working it knows exactly what to do uh, so don't take it lightly so to speak right and so 
Whether it's doing mobility work or strength training, understand levers and understand leverage. Yeah. Right. And so uh, you don't have to be a rocket. You don't have to be a physics major, but just understand the basic elemental points of that. Right. Uh, Another thing. Here's a here's a really common one that we talk about all the time. Bench pressing. Okay. Uh, There are very few people who have bench pressed for any length of time who have not felt some type of pain in the shoulders or elbows, right? Typically speaking. And so when we look at it, then we go, okay, is it because your levers aren't in an optimal place? Uh, I think most of us will agree that when we look at the, the average gym goer, their humerus, uh, their upper arm isn't in it's in an extended lever position it's the farthest away from their body as it can be but if we were vertical and you were to go up to an object and push that object where would your limb lengths be yeah they wouldn't you wouldn't have flying elbows you wouldn't no right? if you had to push your car down the street your, your elbows would be in pretty tight because your brain knows what your strongest towards your center mass it's, it's not, that is just innate, right? It is instinctive. When you go to push against something, your brain understands the task. I need to push object A. Well, for me to push object A, this is where I'm going to place my hands. And typically it's within what? AC joint distance, okay? Unless that object has a separation to it, which requires you to put your hands wider to push it, that's the only that would be one of the only exceptions yeah in our opinion that you would set up in that in that regards uh but if your upper arm is getting away to where it's 90 degrees away from your the side of your torso then you're going to lead you're adding way more stress at the head of the biceps and at the and, and to your part of the chest folks so from a competition standpoint in bench pressing, it's I mean, shorter distance. Yeah, but if you watch those competitions, I mean, that barbell path is right over their, their sternum or, or stomach. Right. Now, if your elbows are flared out to 90 degrees, that barbell path is going right at your neck. So if you right. drop that barbell, you know, good, yeah. good luck. Right. So think of it as, and so the other thing too is we want to look at the, the angle in regards to your elbow position on that bench press also. So if you were to, let's say, build a skyscraper, a traditional skyscraper, not with all the new materials today that can handle way more stress. I'm talking about just a generic building, looking up and down. You would want that building to be completely vertical, right? You don't want it tilting at an angle, so to speak. So you want to place your elbow at that same position where if i'm looking if if neil and i were looking straight down on top of your hand we should not be able to see the elbow the elbow should be hidden by your knuckles or your hand right because then we know that if that's efficient that load coming down is well supported by the elbow and it's in a good position if you start to take a wider grip and you start to create le- greater angle at that elbow in extension, then you're going to add way more stress to that posterior side of the arm line. 
So these are small little adjustments that we would like people to start to think about because that way, if you like bench pressing, you can do it longer. Yeah. And that's really what we're after in this case, right? No one wants to do bench presses so they ultimately get hurt. They're trying to do bench presses to do what? Just get stronger, get build stronger muscle. Get stronger and build yeah. muscle, right? So if that's your goal, if that's your task, then think about what's the most efficient way to do this, in re- and especially in regards to maintaining long-term physical relevancy and longevity in that drill or that task, right? So... Those are some little things that we want you to start to sit back. And before you go to your next workout, think about, okay, how do I channel, how do I use leverage? How do I use the lever system to help increase my training abilities? Right? And and really it stimulates new growth. Yeah, and you know, if you you're a trainer, you're training clients and they're really struggling with something, you know, how can we regress them so that they have success and and then can move on from there? Right, because if they if you over lengthen the lever, and they're connect, especially if the connective tissue isn't resilient enough, okay, then you're ultimately just going to break that person down. So if you can shorten the lever or decrease the angle, then it gives that time to build up that strength and the resiliency in those angles, and then you can start to slowly start to progress and increase. Yeah, and then teach them to handle more and more demand as they get better and better. Yeah. So just a little food for thought there in regards to what the lever, what leverage is and what the lever system it can do for you in regards to really uh, increasing the optimal, optimal results that you're looking for in your training protocols, whether it's mobility training or strength training. Yeah. They both go hand in hand, folks. Uh, for us, mobility is strength. You have Absolutely. to have strength and mobility. Uh, we don't want to be doing passive. So that's why we said a little bit earlier at the beginning of the podcast, when we're using the stick to gain leverage, we're pushing or pulling against it to really access those ranges of motion and start to really own those ranges of motion. Right? Yep. Okay. Any last thoughts, brother? Um, you know, if you've, if you've never played with offset training, um, give it a shot because just like Dennis said, you know, everything you do, Outside the gym is offset loads, you know, whether it's lifting a box or carrying uh, groceries with one arm. You know, you could start at something as simply as doing a, a one arm bench press and see how that changes the demand on your body. Like everything, if you haven't done it, don't go full bore into it. Think logically. If you haven't done something, then slowly start to introduce it. If you're unsure of how to introduce offset training into your protocols, then find a coach or a mentor that understands, has a better understanding or more, much more experience with it and hire him or her or just pick their brain if they're, if they're uh, nice enough to just give you that information and share it with you or share their expertise, great. Uh, but if you need to, find a professional that can help you. And don't and just because you're a trainer or a coach, if you if your ego prevents you from asking for help, wow, you you got to be willing to be able to do that, folks, right? Yeah, I mean we we're always taking courses and always learning and yeah, you know, always be always remain a student. And uh, if someone can help you out and can give you a little better information and more and a little bit more wisdom, 
it's only going to benefit you, man. Yeah. Or, you know, just a different perspective on the same subject. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we just, we look at everything through one viewpoint and we don't, we ignore, or we don't even know there are our other viewpoints. Uh, you know, it's like the saying is ignorance is bliss. Uh, so look out and see, but, but be open to it. Be receptive to it because we do see a lot of coaches out there that attack a lot of other coaches, especially when it comes to offset training. Yeah. We do see a lot of that folks where people are like, ah, oh, that's oh, people. You're going to get hurt doing that. Blah, blah, blah. Mm, okay. Give it a shot. Don't knock it till you tried it. Because once you tried it, that's when people usually go, Oh, like this is okay. I need this. Like I need this big time in my life. So until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Neil. We're out. Peace.